0: Welcome to the CLC podcast. CLC is a Columbus Leadership Campus of Point University located at North Highland Church. CLC exists to equip young leaders and help them unlock their God-given potential through practical ministry training and biblical education. For more information about our school, you can visit our website at clcgeorgia.com. So today, it was just Valentine's Day last week, I want to talk to you guys about sex. Ooh, I like whoever just said that. <laughs> hey, so today, the title of my message today is called How to Have Great Sex, and we're going to talk about it. You guys are in college. Some of you guys are married. I'm going to walk you through it. How to Have Great Sex. We're going to learn it. It's going to be good. We're going to have fun. Okay, so hey, if you have your Bibles, you can take notes, but don't worry about flipping through. I'm going to be flying through scriptures today. So you can write down the reference, but you're not going to be able to write down everything. I'm just telling you right now, there's a lot of scriptures. But the main point of my message today is that God must be the center of your dating or marriage relationship. Point blank period, no exceptions. And here's the verse I'm coming from. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, that a cord of three strands, is not easily broken. There are multiple, uh, with rope, there's multiple types of rope and they have different strands, meaning it's like a braid, different pieces that are braided together. Uh, a, a rope of two strands, broken very easily. A rope of four strands and five strands, broken easily. The strongest rope is a rope of three strands. Meaning, what God is saying here is it's you, it's your spouse, and it's me. And that's it. That relationship is strong and that relationship is, will last. Now, if we're going to dive into this before we go any further. Girls, I need to talk to you for just like, guys, you can listen and you're going to want to know this. Um, girls, I have, I know I don't know you, so you don't really have to follow my rules if you don't want, but I have four rules for my girls with dating, okay? And I just want to run them by you so that you know, because I think they're good rules to follow. Okay, so number one, when you're looking for a guy to date and potentially marry, number one, he, he must love Jesus, Okay, that's if he don't love Jesus, just get to stepping. It don't matter how many abs he's got showing or not showing. It don't matter how good he looks or how sweet he talks. But if he don't love Jesus, what makes you think he's really going to love you? So you just move on. So number one, he must love Jesus. Number two, not only can he say he loves Jesus, because it's easy to say I love Jesus. It's easy to say I know him. I mean, Jesus said, you know, even the demons know who I am, you know, but they don't serve me. But he has to be actively being discipled okay? He's got to let somebody pour into him. Here's what the Bible says, that God has ordained the man as the spiritual authority over the relationship. That doesn't mean he's a dictator. That means he's supposed to lead his family to Christ. And if he's not allowing someone else to lead him to Christ, what makes you think he's going to lead you? So he has to love Jesus and he's got to actively be discipled. It was like slam poetry. I got snaps. I loved it. Hey, number three, he has to have a reliable mode of transportation, okay? (laughs) Okay. I like to throw that in there. Listen, I'm not, hey, hey, that doesn't mean it's got to be his car, okay? For the first, like, four years of our relationship, I picked my wife up in, a, in my mom's minivan. Like, it's cool. You do what you got to do to get by. But it's got to be a reliable, reliable mode of transportation. You can't always go pick him up. And then number four, and I'm going to come back to number three as well, he must have a steady means of income. Okay, I'm all for women power. Okay, I'm all for you helping pay the bill. In fact, please help pay the bill. If not, I'm going to be broke as a joke. But if you're always paying for him, ladies, and you're always picking him up, you got yourself a boy, not a man. Okay, so these are my four rules for dating. For my girls in youth ministry, and here's the deal. I tell all my girls this, okay, in youth ministry. If you're in my youth ministry, you're my girl. What that means is if a guy's messing with you, he can either get to stepping or I'm going to step up and say something. And I, and I have multiple times. I threatened to throw a little kid up against the wall because he kept touching this girl. Like, I don't play, okay? I, I want you to be protected. I want you to feel safe. And I want you to be in a relationship that is God-ordained and that you are enjoying. And so these are my four rules. So, guys, listen to that because one of these girls may be like, um, I'm calling that dude uh, to come talk to you because you're not following his rules. So <laughs> here's the deal. The world says it's cool, you can do whatever you want, you can sleep with whoever, you can fool around with whoever you want, and you can take yourself and go home. But the reality is, here's what the Bible says. It says in Genesis 2.24, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. Thank you guys, y'all can take a seat. The two are united as one. You see, the world says one plus one equals two, but God's math says one plus one equals one. The world says it's okay to do whatever you want. Reality is, once you have sex with someone, you become one with that person. There is literally a soul tie that happens with that person that's different than soulmates. Soulmates is Greek mythology. A soul tie is when your soul is tied to another through a God-ordained act. Okay, And a soul tie is not just a marriage thing. It's for any sexual relationship. 1 Corinthians 6.16 says this, And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to even a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says the two are united as one. Matthew 19.6, Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. You see, sex was created by God for good. It's pleasurable. It's nice. Listen, I'm glowing because I'm having great sex, but I'm married. I'm ordained by God to do what he has told me I can do. I didn't have to test drive anything because I bought the car. And I can drive all I want. And let me just give you a statistic, real quick, by the way. Also, in the ones I was looking at this morning, 4% of men have sex more than four times a week with single men, sorry. When they're married, the t- statistic jumps up to 21% of men have sex more than four times a week. Women, it's uh, it's I'm sorry it was 2% and then 21 and then it's 4% and then 15% for married women. So get married, you get to have a lot more sex and it's fun. Okay? But this is a God-ordained thing. It's okay to do as long as it takes place within the marriage circle. Put that up there for a second. I'm just going to leave that up there. This is where sex is 100% okay as long as it takes place within this marriage circle meaning husband and wife and we're going to talk a little bit more that about that in just a minute but here's the deal when you have sex there is literally a soul tie that bonds you together and brings you together into one and the only way to remove that soul tie is a ripping of your soul and flesh you wonder why it's so hard we look at breakups are hard in general you know and it's heartbreaking but when you've given a piece of your soul to someone else It causes pain and scarring for the rest of your life. Don't kid yourself. You may think, well, once I'm in a God-ordained relationship, this is going to change. You will carry that weight around for the rest of your life. But here's what I know, that we serve a God who brings healing to your pain and who wants to use your scars to tell his story. It's not about you. It's all about him. And I don't know what life you've come from. I don't know what decisions you've made or haven't made. But I do know that whatever it is, God can bring healing and restoration to your soul. And it's sexual sin that keeps you out of heaven. The Bruno Mars song, Locked Out of Heaven, I don't know if you guys know that, but it says that your sex brings me to paradise. And, when he, and then he talks about how, like, it's so sweet, and then he says, you know, like, oh, because we haven't had sex, I feel like you've locked me out of heaven. And the irony behind that song is that it's not, it's not a, a lack of sex that keeps you from heaven. It's your sexual sin that keeps you out of heaven. And Exodus 20 says this, you must not commit adultery. And we look at that and we say, okay, well, you know, if I'm married, you know, I can't sleep with someone else. Cool, I got it. But adultery is so much more than just sleeping with someone else. Sexual sin is what keeps you out of heaven, not sex. Sexual sin keeps you out of heaven, not sex. Let me explain. Matthew 5, 27. I'm going to read a bunch of verses right here. Matthew 5, 27 and 28. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. Hebrews thirteen four. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Sexual sin is any sexual act outside of the marriage circle. Let's be blunt for a second. This is feeling on each other. This is oral. This is is, uh, pornography. This is homosexuality. This is actual intercourse. It's any sexual act that takes place outside of this marriage circle because it's not ordained by God. If it's not ordained by him, sin is missing the mark, okay? And where that comes from, the term sin missing the mark, what it would be is like if I'm shooting a bow and arrow at a target, that, that, that center bullseye is the mark. And when I, when I pull back and I shoot, if I hit the mark, then I do good. But if I'm outside of that mark anywhere, it doesn't matter how close, if I'm outside of that mark, it's sin. That's the example here. And so here is your target when it comes to sex. Right here. If you do anything outside of this bullseye, it's sexual sin. It doesn't matter. I, ha- I got a question the other day. Well, Pastor Andrew, what if it's just the tip? Pastor Andrew, what if it was, what if she just, you know, what, what that's what he did. He was like, what if she, I was like, any sexual act outside of the marriage, what, what happens between the covers of your bed has to be governed between the covers of this book. And you know what it says? Have fun. Have fun if it's in there. That means pornography, that's fantasy, that's bringing something else in, someone else into the marriage circle. Someone else, actually sleeping with someone else, even if your spouse is okay with it. I got that question before too. Even if, That's bringing someone else. It's between the husband and the wife, that's it. You want to get freaky and jello? I don't care. Do your thing as long as you're married and you're husband and wife and that's it. You can have fun. As some of the married couples were like, hmm, <laughs> I'm just... Call like I see it. <laughs> anything outside of the marriage circle is wrong, but anything with inside, as long as it's just you and your husband and your wife or you and your husband, you are covered under God's ordination. Ephesians 5, 3. Let, the, let, let let's break down what sexual sin really is. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Check this out. Here's what gets us. Ready? Ready? Obscene stories. Foolish talk and coarse jokes. And a lot of times, oh, I don't say them, but you watch it. You listen to it. You stand there when the conversation's going on, you don't walk away. Here's what I tell people all the time. I got, I got students who are liking pictures of, we had a girl in Tampa when I was the youth pastor there. She was an open atheist lesbian. You know, and the crazy thing is, she brought more people to our youth group. It was more committed to our discipleship groups than anybody, but she was an open atheist lesbian. But when she posts pictures about gay pride and with her girlfriend and stuff like that, I got core students in my youth group that like it. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And they're like, "I'm I'm not, I don't like that lifestyle. I said, but when you like that photo, you're tolerant of it. And when you're tolerant of it, she says, it's okay. Because I see someone who's leading worship. I see someone who's at the altar. I see someone who's reading their Bible liking my ungodly lifestyle. Your tolerance of sexual sin is just as bad as you stepping into it. Bible says this: if you cause your brother to stumble, if you cause them to, so if you put the stumbling block there, you're just as guilty as they are. We're called to be a watchman. Ezekiel says we're called to be a watchman, and um, and, uh, and, and and that means that you have to sound the alarm. God says this in the Old Testament. He says, if, if I call you as a watchman, if you're, my Christ, if you're my follower, I've called you to be a watchman. If you see the enemy coming with the sword and you say nothing, that person will die in their sin. But I hold you accountable. You can't save anybody except yourself by giving your life over to Christ. But what you can do is speak up and speak out. And it might be because you said something that someone else comes to know Christ. I don't want to be the guy standing in the throne room on the day of judgment and just standing there and someone run up to me and say, Why didn't you tell me? You stood there and listened and you said nothing. And then they walk away. I don't want to be the guy that's looking around and I'm like, Where's Josh? I didn't, oh God, I didn't tell him. Crap. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that, I got Clayton running up to me, dude, (laughs) you don't even know me, but I'm here because you told me something, because you stood up, because we were all telling jokes and you walked away, I walked away because I didn't know what, and then I, I, it's because of you. You see, sexual sin affects you, but it also affects everyone around you. It's not just about you. No coarse joking and obscene stories. Galatians 5, 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Obscene stories? jokes it's above my pay grade to change what it says by the way so don't get mad at me i'm just telling you what the bible says when we are called to christ when we give our life over to him we are now held to a higher standard than the rest of the world so my question for you today is this what is your aim in life authenticity or just acceptance because acceptance says, how far can I go, Pastor Andrew? I, I didn't have sex. I didn't even see her completely naked. I didn't see him. I didn't see anything. We were just fooling around. We were just talking. We were just making jokes. Pastor Andrew, what if I, what if I make a joke, but I censor the joke? Pastor Andrew, what if, what if we just, what if we keep it like, you know, upstairs outside you know, like outside of the clothes and everything? Like, what if we just do that? Is that cool? Acceptance says, where's the line? And let me tell you this, that line, that acceptance, not only applies to sexual sin, it applies to every area of your life. It applies to drinking, drugs, uh, uh, language, movies, TV, friends, uh, 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 music. That's a big one for most of us. I don't know how many of you guys would let me look at your your iTunes right now after saying that, but I might look at some of y'all. It applies to everything. How far can I go? Well, Pastor, I'm I working with a student yesterday on his, his rap for fine arts. And, uh, yes, I'm very white, but, yes, I'm working on a rap with someone. And so he said, he, you know, I, we, we're, we're playing music, and we're just playing instrumental. And then the next song came on. And, like, the first three words, I was like, bro, like, you need to break that phone because of what it just said. <laughs> Holy cow, we're sitting in the sanctuary. <laughs> and here's what he was said, he said, oh, Pastor, I said, dude, what you put in is what's going to come out. He was like, no, look at my raps. It's all about God. And I was like, yeah. But now I completely, and I told him this, I said, now I completely understand why when we had the sex talk last Wednesday, you asked the questions you asked and the way you asked it. Because everything you said was very vulgar and graphic. He goes, I just wanted to know. And I was like, no one else asked a question like that. I said, I'm not saying they're not doing the wrong thing either. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm not blaming you and not them. What I'm saying is what you put in is what you put out. If you plant an orange seed, don't expect to get a grapefruit tree. You're going to get an orange tree. So if you're putting in with what you watch, what you listen to, what you see, if you're putting that in, eventually it will come out somewhere. And here's the deal. Jesus just goes right to a matter of the heart. He says, yeah, the law says don't commit adultery. But I say if you even look at them, you've already done it in your heart. It's all a matter of the heart. So acceptance says how far can I go? Where's the line at? Now, authenticity says, how holy can I be? To be holy, to be righteous, to be set apart for God. You step up into a circle, you hear the wrong thing, you walk away. Something comes on TV, you may be sitting with a group of friends. You walk out. Music comes on, you walk out. You change the channel, you change the station. Whatever you got to do to be holy, be the example to everyone else. Guess what? Christianity, the church, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, was the center of the community. Everyone came to the church. Even if you weren't a believer, you came when you needed something. You came to seek help. We are now the outcast. We are the outlier. We are the minority now. And we're very quickly being pushed out. More and more. So as society becomes more... Sinful as society becomes more centered around the flesh and being accepted that 's the whole debate right now with with homosexuality i have I have a lot of friends that are homosexuals, and their thing is i don't Christians just don't make me feel accepted i'm not welcome it's all about acceptance i don't really believe that it's about who I think I am or who i'm not it's i'm not accepted and as the world becomes more and more every day about acceptance, are you going to be in that crowd or are you going to stand out and be authentic? Because I'll tell you this, your friends, your family, they're dying and going to hell right now because they don't know Christ. And maybe not everybody, but you know who I'm talking about. You know people in your family and friends. and, and, And what they're looking for is something real. You know why so many people turn to I'm not even talking about become uh, LGBTQ I mean like they just hang out with that group it's because they're accepted no matter who they are you can be straight and you're still accepted we had a club in my high school called Gay Straight Alliance because they accepted us but we didn't accept them And here's what I know, too. A lot of times that I'm going to deal with the homosexuality, here's the thing. You know, we like to say, oh, you're gay, you're going to hell. You're gay, that's a sinful lifestyle. But you know what? If I'm doing anything outside of that marriage circle, I'm just as sinful as you. It's not a gay straight thing. It's a sexual sin thing. That's all it is. So are you going to be accepted or are you going to be authentic? 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5 says this, God's will is for you to be holy so stay away from sexual sin. I could stop right there. That's my sermon in a nutshell. God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from sexual sin. But it finishes with this. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God in his way. So the sinners who don't know God. When we give in to sexual sin, here's the deal. It's because we crave authentic authentic, Sorry. intimacy. We crave authentic intimacy. It's the way we were created. But we'll never find it through sexual sin. You'll keep moving from person to person to person, and you'll never find it. Instead, we choose to just settle for acceptance. Well, if I can't find what I want, I'm going to keep looking, and everyone will still accept me for who I am. The only way that you will ever find authentic intimacy is to enter into the marriage circle. Listen to this. Not with a spouse, but with Christ. Marriage is not designed just for husband and wife. It's designed for us with the bridegroom. The marriage circle is where authentic intimacy takes place. So you may be craving that feeling of love, that feeling of acceptance. Guess what? In authentic intimacy, you find acceptance. Because what does the Bible say? Love puts up with anything. You're accepted for who you are in the marriage circle, in the marriage circle with Christ. You want to feel accepted? You want to feel loved? You want to feel cared about? you got to enter into a marriage with your king. Here's what I know. Guys, we'll give emotions so that we can get sex. Guys, we're driven physically. Smell, touch, feel, I mean, everything, sight. We, We are driven physically. Girls, you're driven by your brain. Guys, we're driven by another brain. Girls, you're driven by your emotions. So guys, you'll give emotion so that you can get sex. But girls, you'll give sex so you can get the emotion. So to reach authentic intimacy, we have to choose to be authentic now. God didn't call you to fit in with everybody else. He called you to stand up, stand out, and stand firm on his word and on his authentic intimacy with you. 1 Corinthians and I'm closing right here 6:18 it says run from sexual sin no other sin clearly affects the body as this one does for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body do you not realize that your body is a temple to the holy spirit who lives in you and was given to you by god you do not belong to yourself for god bought you with a high price so you must honor your body you are not your own you are bought with a price You want to make it in this life? You want to succeed? Run from sexual sin. It's the only one, according to the word, that clearly affects your entire body. That includes your state of mind, that includes your emotions, that includes physically. Sexual sin affects every part of you. You want to succeed in your walk with Christ? Run from sexual sin. You want to succeed in a romantic relationship? Run from sexual sin. You want to succeed in your job? I'm going to say it. Run from sexual sin. You want to succeed in school? Run from sexual sin. Sexual sin is a distraction. It'll distract you. There's a reason we use sex to sell everything because it gets our attention. So if you keep your attention on all the sex, you'll take your attention off the one that matters and it's going to help you make it through life. Run from sexual sin. Flee from it. And your romantic relationship should always be found on a foundation of spiritual intimacy with the Father. So what if you already messed up? What if you already messed up? What if you've been in that last, you might not be now, maybe you are, I don't know. But here's what I do know is that the Bible says that God's love covers a multitude of sin. So tonight, maybe you're, or today, this morning, sorry, I'm not used to preaching in the mornings. This morning, maybe you're in a wrong relationship. Maybe you need to get out of a relationship because it's distracting you from your relationship with Christ. Maybe you need to be set free from the hurt and damage you experience by a wrong relationship. Maybe you've been deceived into entering into a false relationship that was based on pornography or same-sex attraction or sex outside of marriage. Maybe you've been abused in a relationship and you just need some healing. Maybe you've never been in a relationship with God, but you want to enter into that. Whatever it is. I'm not going to do an altar call where I pull you up front. I learned a long time ago when you talk about sex, don't bring everybody that wants to pray about sexual stuff up front at the same time, especially teenagers. They all start looking at each other. and They're like, I don't got your number. <laughs> we'll get your number, though. <laughs> like, really, I had that happen, and I sent everybody back to their seat, <laughs> and we just prayed individually. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to have everyone bow their head and close their eyes. I don't want anybody looking around except your leaders. Keep your head bowed, and eyes closed. And here's why I want your leaders looking. Because I'm going to ask a very personal question. If you've been in any of this sexual sin, and you need healing, you need restoration, you need deliverance. That could be same sex, that could be, uh, 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 um, that could be sex outside of marriage, could be just fooling around, it could be pornography, it could be any of those things. If you've been involved in that in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to have you raise your hand. And here's why I want your leaders looking. Because the prayer covers a multitude of sins, God's love covers a multitude of sins, but sometimes you also need to be discipled to walk through it. Because temptation, the Bible says that we are guaranteed to face temptation. It is not going away because you pray a prayer today, God set me free from sex. It's everywhere. And you're going to face a temptation. I'm going to be transparent with you. I've dealt with these things in my life, and I have an accountability partner that I turn to every time I start to struggle. I'm a married man. It doesn't take away my flesh. My marriage is ordained by God, but it doesn't take away my fleshly sinful desire. And so I have to have to succeed and to flee from the sexual sin. I have to have someone that I can turn to, a spiritual father, a spiritual brother to say, dude, I'm struggling, please help. And I would love to be that for you, and I will be if I can. But it's going to be hard when I live so far away. So I want your leaders to see who's in the room, and they're not going to call you out. They're not going to say anything. But when you're ready, and throughout the week, I want to encourage you. If you pray this prayer and you and you ask for God to help you, I want you to seek out your leaders, guys with guys, girls with girls, and I want you to just tell them, "I need someone that can help hold me accountable." And so, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're in this room today and you say, "I am," tempted by sexual sin. I've been involved in that lifestyle, and I need God. I want authentic intimacy with Christ. If that's you, and you want to turn from that lifestyle, whatever it is, just slip your hand up wherever you are. Leaders, you see all the hands. You see every hand in the room. leaders. Father, you see every hand in this place right now. Lord, the Bible says, we just read it, that your love covers a multitude of sin. And God, sexual sin. God, you've created us as sexual beings. We crave it. We love it. We want it. And God, it's a good thing that you've created in us, that good fire in us that you've created. But God, used in the wrong way, keeps us out of the eternity that you have prepared for us. So, Father, we need you. Lord, I pray for those in the room that have been in those relationships and they've and their soul tie has been ripped, God. Those scars that are there, that pain that they feel. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare healing over their life. Father, that their scars will be healed and they'll be used to tell your story of the glory and the goodness of God and how you touched them, how you changed them, how you made them into your child once again. Lord, I pray for healing. I declare it in the name of Jesus. Peace over their bodies. Peace over their hearts. Peace over their minds right now. Lord, for those in the room that that maybe they haven't entered into actual physical act, God, but they have just been tempted by it, Lord, that temptation's all around us. And so, God, I pray for, for a way out. God, you say that we will be tempted, but you will always provide an escape. And, God, that escape comes through the cross. It comes through you. So, God, give us that escape now. Lord, forgive us of, of the sin that we've been so entangled in, God. Forgive us of the sin that is that has led us astray from the path that you have for us, God, because you've called us, Lord, out of the darkness into your glorious light, God, to be righteous, to be holy, to be set apart for you. God, help us to no longer crave acceptance, but to crave an authentic, intimate relationship with you. Lord, so long ago, you asked us to marry you. Lord, by going to the cross, that was your love letter to me. That was your love letter to us, and you asked us to marry you. So this morning, Father, we accept your proposal. And God, I just pray for every student in the room, maybe people who didn't raise it, maybe leaders who need it, God. Lord, I pray for your peace, your protection, and your provision divine favor and divine blessings, divine health all the days of their life. And it's in your name, the name above all names that we pray. Amen and amen.